Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. Lisa Jo, a few of my favorite ordinary things are reading a book in the hammock, picking strawberries at a local farm, and pulling out the swimsuits for one more summer. Ooh, yes, good one. Some of mine are afternoons at the next-door neighbor's pool, stopping for ice cream cones with sprinkles and s'mores around the fire pit. We are all in for such a treat this summer because Lisa Jo has a new book available at the end of July. It's a love letter to ordinary life called The Middle Matters, Why That Extra Ordinary Life Looks Really Good on You. This incredible book is like a magic mirror. It showed me just how marvelous my ordinary life already is. And these hilarious and honest essays that are so much like our conversations on this podcast, Lisa Joe invites us to take a good look at our middles and gives us permission to embrace them beyond what the media, the mirror, the magazines, or our teenagers might say. Through gutsy, beautiful storytelling, she admits out loud what most of us are thinking about marriage, parenting, the bathroom scale, and our struggles with doubt and faith. Chrissy, you are the kindest of friends, and to all of my friends who are listening, I want to give you a special gift if you pre-order the book. If you go to themiddlemattersbook.com and find your favorite retailer and place an order before July 23rd, we have curated the most delightful pre-order gift bundle for you. It includes a $10 gift card to dayspring.com that comes with free shipping if you're in the U.S., three chapters of the audiobook as read by me, a behind-the-scenes photo album that describes each of the essays in the book, and then, this might be my favorite part, eight secret podcast sessions with me. We're calling this series Meet Me in the Middle, Confessions of a Carb-Loving Author. So friends, just go to themiddlemattersbook.com, place your order, and then follow the instructions to claim your gifts. And now to our conversation today. Lisa Joe, we have something special, something a little different and new for our listeners this week. And that's because we talk about ordinary life. We say how much we value ordinary life. We talk about tending ordinary life. And if you're going to tend ordinary life, then you are tending the rhythms of ordinary life. And that means you are tending those rhythms of work, play, and rest. And rest, which is a delicious word considering you're coming <laughs> off a season of book launches. That's right. And I'm, I'm a little tired. Into, <laughs> and I'm heading into a season of book launches. And I think one of the things I've learned from you more than anybody else is the significance of rest and how rest doesn't mean you're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Rest means you are refueling so that you can continue to create. Mm-hmm. It's an intentional thing. And so today we're going to be intentional for ourselves, for me and for you, Lisa Joe, to receive a little rest um, this week and next. And so that's why we've got something special. Especially because we have heard from listeners who are new to the show mm-hmm. who might not have been with us since the very beginning. So what we will be doing the next couple of weeks is sharing with you our favorite podcast episodes. We're just choosing two. Christy got to choose one. I got to choose one. And this week, we'll be featuring a fun listen back at Christie's favorite episode from Out of the Ordinary so far. So, Lisa Joe, my favorite episode so far is episode two. This one aired way back, let me check, September 19th, 2018, and it's called The Antidote 
to dissatisfaction. Do you remember this one? Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. I feel like I probably need to listen to it again, too. <laughs> right. Okay, so this is why I chose this one. Even though this episode is way back, I haven't listened to it again. And yet the story you told in this episode is so good, so memorable, so visual and visceral that it has lodged in my brain. I'm never going to forget it. And even though I have at this point forgotten all the contours of our conversation, all the meaning we pulled out of the story, because that story is so memorable, the lesson, the lesson of it has stuck with me. Mm. And so this one is worth, um, it's just really worth re-listening to. So I, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> it's set in Zimbabwe of all places. So get comfy, you guys. Here we go to Zimbabwe. We're here recording at Maplehurst, and it's chaos. I can hear <laughs> literally the hammers and the saws, and this place is a dream come true, but it's hard for me to remember that. So I was thinking about the story you shared last week about the bricks falling off the wall. <laughs> my fake bricks in my tiny kitchen in my yeah. rental house that popped yeah. off the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want me to talk about those? I do. I want to hear more about that. I feel like there's something in that story that I need. <laughs> Yes, because this place where we're recording, it's beautiful. It really is. But there's scaffolding everywhere. It's a work in progress. There's a lot of dirt, dust. And I couldn't even hug Christy's husband, hello, when I arrived because he's so covered in like, yeah. I don't even know what it is. Grime, dirt, paint, sweat, All of the above. wood chips. Probably lead paint. Let's just be honest. Because <laughs> of what he's stripping off the porch. Right. <laughs> yes. And so, gosh, that kitchen in that rental house. So this was in North... Northern Virginia in Springfield. We lived for five years in a very tiny rental house. And it, I mean, you know, all the qualifications. Of course, we learned so many things. It was wonderful. I have nothing against rental houses, blah, blah, blah. And yet, it was a very uncomfortable space to be in. It was not beautiful. We had three tiny kids. There was carpet under our dining room table, which if you have children under oh, the age of six, I'm so sorry. It's so bad. It's, I just, let's just say we did not get our security deposit back when we moved <laughs> out of that house. I had this tiny kitchen. And as you know, as a mother, if you're a mom, you spend so much time in a kitchen, like you're making the milk and the formula and the mm -hmm. baby puree food and you're washing the bottles. And I would just spend hours in that kitchen and it had these weird, so the kitchen was made out of, I don't even know the words. I wish John was here speaking now. Like, it's like wood. What's What's that called? It's like... Like paneling? It's paneling. It's, yeah. You know, it's it, the house is not built of brick, right? right it's like the wood right. framing, the way yeah. they do houses yeah. here, mostly in the U.S. And I guess to add some feeling of decor or artiness, or, I don't know. <laughs> Make it seem more solid than it was. <laughs> Whoever had designed this home decades back had used these plastic faux red bricks and had super glued them onto the wall. I guess they clicked together. I can't so believe they were plastic. They were totally plastic. Oh. And the first one, and so I guess under pressure and age and whatnot, mm. they would just pop off. It was very <laughs> shocking the first time one happened. And I was like, oh, what's happening? And then I told Peter, like, the house hates us. <laughs> the house is like rejecting us. We're too chaotic. We're too loud. We're too noisy even for this poor tiny house. They would just pop off the wall. And then underneath them would just be raw plaster and like, gross glue left yeah. over from where they had tried to attach it. So I spent many hours in this kitchen with my popping bricks, my hands in the sink, 
washing bottles for Mm. hours. And I would stand at that sink, often late at night, longing for something else, anything else than what I had. Yeah. And what I had at the time was like three children under the age of six, a long commute to a job I did not enjoy. I was not fulfilled by, but it provided food for our family. It was an intense season that anyone with tiny children knows. It's just very hard. It feels like you can't breathe. And I would stand at that sink and long for something else. I wanted something else. This was not what I wanted. And it was so easy to just be filled up with bitterness. And as I was standing there one night, it's it's weird where your mind goes when you're washing dishes, right? <laughs> I'm standing there washing dishes. My mind is kind of just spiraling the way it does. I'm thinking about Netflix shows or the ice cream I wish I was eating or the weight I can't lose or <laughs> bank balance. This is too low. And then bam, suddenly the memory I'm in the middle of is in Zimbabwe, okay? It's the new millennial. It's like about to switch over ah, from 1999 right? okay. to 2000. It's supposed to be the end of the world. Yeah, right? I, I remember that night remember? well. Yeah. Where were you when that I happened? I was in Northern Virginia, which is no weird way. because I would have been just a few miles from where this bri- house, house with the fake bricks. So yeah, weird. yeah. We lived so there then. We were in Zimbabwe. I'm from South Africa originally, so I have this accent that comes and goes. And Peter and I had just gotten married in the States in August, and then we had moved we hadn't moved. We had traveled home to South Africa for Christmas and to kind of celebrate with our South African family, to have a reception there and to you know, make the marriage official in South Africa. And what we had done as part of that trip is go up to Zimbabwe for a week of vacation with friends who lived there. And it was a game farm, this huge, beautiful game farm. And they did a lot of photo safaris where you could come and take pictures of the animals. We stayed at this game farm with good old friends of my dad's. And it was, you know, it's it was really an out of Africa kind of place. Mm. Like you would have loved it, Chrissy. Mm. First of all, it's like a billion degrees. December is is midsummer. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. So hot. There's no AC though. Oh wow. It's all like these cool cement floors, mm. a billion degrees. I remember vividly, it's such classic British culture that we've inherited over there. Like in the middle of the afternoon at four o'clock, hottest time of the day, everybody sits down to tea. To tea, hot Hot tea. tea, Okay, (laughs) hot tea. And I remember we were preparing to have all these friends over to celebrate the new year. And we had set up tables outside in the garden. You say yard here. Garden means where you grow things. In South Africa, garden means the lawn. yard, yeah. So we had set up these long picnic tables, all the food, all the plates, all the forks, everything set up outside because we were trying to be a little bit cooler and because there were so many people coming over. Now, at that point, Zimbabwe was in the middle of a terrible drought. It Mm. hadn't rained for months and months and months. It was incredibly dry. Animals were dying. Crops were dying. It was a very dire time. So here I am in Northern Virginia, standing washing dishes, picturing myself back in Zimbabwe. So how much time has passed? So in it's from 99. And here I am now. It's like 2007, 2008. Yeah. So quite a long time later. But I, I vividly remember that night we sat down to dinner. Please picture with me, if you will, these grizzled farmers who are surviving out there, who are in the heat of the day, who are trying to make a living in a very brutal climate, and they are all sitting down to dinner. And the first course, I'll never forget this because it seemed so weird to me. You would probably like this. It was cold cucumber soup. Oh, so like, sure. Yeah. Do you call that gazpacho? 
Well, you not? do if it's tomato, but oh, so it wasn't tomato. But yeah, it was that, cucumber. It was yeah. green. That also seems very British to me. Does cold it? Cucumber, cold soup. cucumber soup. I yeah. remember thinking, what are they feeding us? This is yeah. so weird. We sit down to this beautifully laid table on this lawn under the African night sky. It's so picturesque. We take the first bites of the soup, and as we start to eat it, the heavens open, rain pours down. I'm not talking like a light drizzle, like gushing, huge, giant raindrops. I have this vivid picture in my mind of the cucumber soup splashing back up Ah. at us because of the rain landing in the soup. Wow. And I stand up to like rush into the house because that's what you're supposed to do. And I look down the table and every single one of these men and their wives are just sitting eating cucumber soup in a rainstorm. It's Uh. splashing into their beards. It's all over their like khaki clothing. (laughs) And they're just eating the soup and the rain is torrential. And I look at my dad and I yell over the noise of the rain, like, what are they doing? Why don't they come inside? Like, what's happening? And my dad said these words to me, they have prayed for rain for so long. They are not going to get up now that the rain has come. And they just sat there, drenched in their answered prayers. And I stood at my window in Northern Virginia with my hands in a sink full of dishes. And I was just overcome with this feeling of, oh my goodness, it's raining around me. And I want to run out from under it. Like here I am in this marriage that God has restored that went through a really hard season. Here I am with these three children i beg God for. Here I am with the first beginnings of pouring out my pitcher of water that I talked about in episode one. Oh my goodness, here I am, like in the rain that I prayed for. And all I want to do is run for cover to the next thing. I I can't wait to get to the next thing. Mm. And I'm telling you, that moment for me was such a pivotal experience to stand there and think, oh, I am so quick to want to long for what comes next that I forget to long for what is right now. And I think that's what you and I are trying to learn together through these conversations about how everything big starts small. Sometimes we forget that what we have right now that seems small is actually quite a big thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was smaller, you know, years back, and now it's grown into something, but we're so quick to rush on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so I keep trying to figure out this practice of not just longing for the future, but actually learning to long for the present. So that's my wow. Zimbabwe story, my rainstorm cucumber soup sink full of dishes moment where I was that, like, I need to long for what I already have. That is so great. So yeah, I don't even know if you could have realized in me asking you to tell that story, not just what this week has been like, but these <laughs> months and honestly, these six years since we came to Maplehurst, which is the answer to our prayers and our dream come true. But this place has not looked really good since we arrived. <laughs> I mean, for the first three years, it was all decay, slow decay, and then quicker and quicker. And for three years now, we've been slowly restoring bits and pieces. Um, but the past few weeks, the past months, um, have been especially hard. And it's been hard for me to remember that my prayers have already been answered, mm. that it's hard for me to remember how much I wanted I wanted this place. But actually, so your story reminds me of um, something that happened this week. Uh, so it's August now. So it's summer. It's hot. It's, it's humid. So hot. We're still we're still very much in the thick of summer. But 
there are yellow leaves all over the lawn outside. And they're from the, these, we have these really antique, very old cherry trees. And cherry trees start dropping their leaves before other trees do. So it's perfectly normal. I don't think they're under stress. We've had a lot of rain. But anyway, the lawn is covered in, in yellow leaves. And I remembered how when we first moved here six years ago, it was August 1st. And one of the first things I noticed were these yellow leaves fluttering through the air. And you were coming from Florida, I was coming from Florida. And all I had wanted for two years was seasons. And here I was, August 1st, still summer, really. I hadn't been looking for it. But there was the answer to my prayer. Like there was, I could see autumn. I knew, and I looked around and I knew every tree on this property was going to start to change and turn colors and be beautiful and fall. And then would come winter and snow. And I was so hungry even for snow and cold weather. So I thought of that this week. I saw these yellow leaves and I remembered what they'd meant to me that day, that first August, and how they had been, you know, what I was longing for. And it was so good to remember that and to say, I still long for fall. I'm still looking forward to fall. And here it is and it's coming. And the house is a mess. It's such a mess. But I still have so much. Right. I mean, so many answered prayers right, right. now. Like, I mean, you re- you're living through your own rainstorm. Like, actually, right. you're a mess right now. So, you, if you were looking out the windows where we're sitting, there's a barn. You had a barn raising this week. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's half completed now. Yeah. This huge vegetable garden, this huge flower garden, kids that you prayed for yes. that you didn't think yeah. you'd be able to have. I mean, you're, so what, what looks like chaos right. is actually the evidence right. of a rainstorm it is. that you're in the middle of. Yeah. And so Christy and I spend a lot of time trying to remind one another, which is really an act of faith, like looking back to say, what is it that I ask God for that I'm actually in the middle of right now? Mm -hmm. Because so much of my life and my orientation, the world around me, the messages I receive are about longing for what's next. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't think that's inherently bad in any right. way. I think hope is really important. Yeah. We set goals. We talk about invitations. Like, yeah. where are we headed? Those things are important. Those desires can carry us forward, forward. into, you know, the plans God has for us. So, we should right. pay attention to them. But if they yeah. become our singular focus, if they are the mm. only thing we are defining ourselves by, we are missing out entirely on the season we are currently in. That is itself a gift because of things we prayed for in the past. Mm. And so that's become one of the disciplines I try to exercise. And it's hard. I mean, you know, Christy, I've been up here complaining left, right, and center about what I want next, (laughs) what I think I deserve, and how unfair things are. Mm. And then I have to remind myself that was the same version of me standing in a kitchen in a rental house saying Mm. what I deserve and what I want next and how unfair Mm. it is. And if I could just look up into the heavens and mm-hmm. realize I'm actually in the middle of a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so crazy. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. And it's it's difficult to recognize. But I think once we get into the discipline of it, of actually paying attention to it, it changes the right now. So, yeah, I was going to ask, how do we... How do we do it? Yeah, what does it <laughs> so, look like? Yeah, how do you do? How do you do it? You, right. you said pay attention, but know, is there I more think, to it. I do think that when I have these longings that rise up in me for mm-hmm. what comes next. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at them not just as arrows that point to the future, but as arrows that direct me back to the past. Oh, Right? So, like, my longings for what come next need to remind me of longings that have been fulfilled, 
because that is where my hope resides. It doesn't actually reside in the future. It resides in what has already happened in Mm -hmm. my life. Those are the cornerstones I can build my future on. Mm -hmm. And so I try to follow kind of like a little rope through the mist backwards in time, these longings to where they originated because I can look at my life now and say, oh, wow, I I thought I would live in a rental house forever. I mean, you guys should know about me. I'm turning 44 this month. My husband and I bought our first home the year I turned 40. Mm. We lived in, I don't know, nine different rental houses between the time we got married and and the time we turned 40. And that, that was the journey we were on, and I finally figured out a way to make my peace with it. I just assumed we wouldn't own a home. We would always rent. And so here we live now in a house I love so much and that I'm allowed to paint the walls and have nail holes and not feel bad about it. <laughs> but it's so quick for me, so easy for me to start thinking about, ah, oh, this house is not enough and what I want to add to the mm-hmm. house and what I want to change to the house and what I want to do differently to the house. And those are arrows pointed forward. And if I can just follow back where they were shot from, if I can just trace my steps back, I can remember a sense of longing for what I have right now. Hmm. So paying attention, remembering. I like that, though, about following the longing back like an arrow. Hmm. So when I think about the porch that's under construction now, I remember my longing for a front porch to gather on, like Mm. a place to gather. But we have that. We're gathering all the time here. (laughs) The thing that is hard for me is that it doesn't, nothing's finished or perfect or, you know, as beautiful as I want it to be. But Maybe I'm the only one that sees that. I don't know. I mean, I feel that way every time I arrive and you and John apologize for the state of the house. I'm like, (laughs) what are you talking about? It's gorgeous. Let me get on my phone and Instagram everything. (laughs) I think that future longing can be a bit of a a sinking sand if we're not careful because it's easy to walk into it and then just get sucked in by all the things we want until we can't even breathe. At least that's how it feels for me. And I know... Even though I get older and I should know better, I am deeply prone to just disappearing under the sinking sand of all of my longings that are often that things other people have that I think I want or I need or I'm entitled to. I have, I think, a dangerous sense of entitlement to what we think mm-hmm. is should be ours based on what stage we're in, you mm-hmm, know? And Pete mm-hmm. and I were renting all those years in our late 30s. I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a grown woman. I have three children. I work in a career. Why can't I own a house? Like, yeah. what is wrong with me? I am entitled now to have a house. This is house season. Give me my house. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing to want. Everybody wants one at some point. And I've talked to enough people over the years to know how difficult it is to be in a season of long-term renting. Mm. But at the same time, that entitlement is so dangerous because like sinking sand, it just chokes the joy and the oxygen and the air out of what you have right now. I think the irony is that if you're not paying attention to what you have right now and appreciating what you have today... Then you, uh, you've you've like cut off the path to the very thing you want. You've cut off the the access to the future you want. So if everything big starts small, if we're not taking care of the small things, and we know this is true, like in a spiritual sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have our our talents that we're given or whatever that we're meant to be stewards of. But maybe just practically, this is how it works: that the small things we're tending today or what will carry us forward, I think this is what we've talked about in the last episode, will carry us forward into the things we're dreaming of. So if we are 
not tending to right. days I mean, small like things. Garden, if you right. didn't tend, if you haven't listened, guys, if you haven't listened to episode one, go back and learn about Christie's handful of grass seeds. Because if you hadn't taken care of those grass seeds and then your tiny patio of plants, how on earth would yeah. you be taking care of? Because that was me becoming that was me becoming a gardener. Right, that was you um, growing into it. Required it that those that small tending. So. Okay, this is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're never going to get from us guys like, here are the three steps to do this. Here are the goals. Here are the bullet points. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're way too circular in our thinking and everything comes down to metaphor and story for us. But yeah. when I think about the stories that my life has grown into, that really hard season, what felt like a hard season in that tiny rental house, those were the years where I learned <laughs> how much I was changing because of becoming a mom, how I understood a ministry calling, how I wanted to sow into the lives of women, how that very intense season birthed mm-hmm. in me mm. where I am now. Ooh, so that's good. That speaks to a frustration I can have where I feel like in, in the in the focusing on the dream, the future, the mm. thing I want to achieve feels productive to me because I know that's where oh, I want to go. Yes. And so it feels like, okay, I'm tending that dream. I'm paying attention to it. I'm spending time with it. Uh, spending time with the inadequate stuff of today, <laughs> it feels inadequate. doesn't feel productive. But what you're saying is that's actually right, like <laughs> the most productive right here, yeah. right now lives. It's yeah. like a garden. If you don't tend these seeds that are here now, they will die. Future yeah. seeds are invisible. They're like Jack's magic beans. Like they're not going to turn into anything right. productive or beautiful or meaningful. And so those seasons of standing in the rain and actually paying attention to it is what changes the future, I think. Mm. Because it's acknowledging, oh, oh my goodness, look. Look at what's been gifted to me. Look what I've grown into. Look what's changed. Mm -hmm. I think, and it's not just a matter of, you know, keeping a list necessarily, which is a good thing of of gratitude and gifts, but it's actually proactively saying, how have I changed? Like, what is different in my life? What is different in my marriage? Like, what has changed between then and now where I am? These are steps that have happened, right? Mm -hmm. There's growth. I can actually measure growth. How wonderful that I can see that growth has taken place in my life. And it's a guarantee for growth in the future. And so instead of just obsessing over what I want and how I don't know how to get there, it's helpful for me to look back at the rings in my life, kind of like a tree and say, oh, I can mark this season. This Mm. happened, this changed. This was really bad and broken in my marriage. Mm. But look at me here five years later. I bear the rings of that season, but I have grown. Mm. I grew between then and now. Isn't it interesting how much easier it is to desire things (laughs) (laughs) or achievements or houses (laughs) than it is to desire our own transformation, our own growth. Yeah. Um, And yet when you describe it, I think, oh, or or when I think of like who I used to be in certain areas of my life, I I feel that like, oh yeah, I want to go on changing. I want to go on being transformed. I want to keep becoming, Mm. um, you know, new and then it, it does feel exciting, but it's not a natural, it's not the natural path I think my desires often take. Right. Because looking back, I can say, look at all this growth. That was so great. But then looking forward, I'm like, all I see is this pain and uncomfort and dissatisfaction. Right. I don't, I would never label it growth, right? Yeah. It's much harder to receive it when you're moving forward. And I think therein lies this challenge of, are we able to see our lives and our goals, not just as things that we achieve, but growth that we're trying to go through and that Mm -hmm. we recognize that moving between stages in our lives, my here and my not yet, Mm -hmm. 
is going to require all the things that go with growth, you know, rain and storms and difficulty and challenge and pain. All of these things are part of what mm. you go through when you weather through to the next season. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've become way too farming metaphorical. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a bad influence on you. So are you... What, how do you feel about those bricks now? I mean, you know, it's so funny how, of course, I tell these tender stories about them now, right? Yeah. They've become meaningful markers in my life. They're milestones You now. wouldn't give them up? You wouldn't erase them? I don't know that. that that's true. Yeah. I, I'm not one of those who's like, I wouldn't change right? anything yeah. in my life. If I could have had a beautiful house that, that yeah. season in my life, I visited I that place. It. It, it was it was a hard, that was, was a hard awful place little house. For <laughs> 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 a little lighthouse. Yeah. Oh, but what I learned in that house, and I think the version of myself that stepped out of that house when we moved out, that's what I wouldn't trade. Yeah. You know, that version of me. And I I needed to leave some things behind in that house. And it was mm. a difficult season to be in filled with just a deep longing for something else the whole time. Mm. I wanted something else. Not only did I want it, I felt entitled to it. Mm. And then I felt angry that I didn't have it angry at God, resentful to other people who had what I wanted. And I remember, it's funny, I wasn't going to tell this, but I remember going through the season with God. And I was, you know, I just had my third baby. She was little. I was on maternity leave and getting ready to go back to work. So I kind of had this time still where I wasn't commuting or rushing off to a job. In the mornings, I was still home and around more. And I would wake up in the morning. I kid you not, you guys. I felt like, metaphorically speaking, Jesus was sitting on the end of my bed every freaking morning. And he'd be like, oh, good, you're up. Let's talk about the house and how you're so mad about it. Like every morning I would wake up and I feel like he'd be just delighted to like engage me on my dissatisfaction and sense of entitlement. Oh, and he man. was just like... I didn't experience him as like judgy or mad Aww. or like, you're so entitled. I just felt like he was like, yes, let's talk more. Let's talk this thing out. Tell me all your wishes and dreams and how you feel I shafted you. You know, oh, and it was just so wow. strange. I can picture it in my mind. We had painted this tiny little bedroom yellow. I feel like in retrospect, it was a bad choice. <laughs> and um, we had this bed that was essentially just a mattress, like no headboard and our you know, our, our pretty dresser was a changing table and there was like dirty diapers everywhere. And I would wake up in exhaustion and there was Jesus like, yay, let's talk about how much you hate your house and how much you resent me. Uh, <laughs> and it was just very, it was so interesting to believe in a God who isn't threatened by our dissatisfaction, uh, who is willing to engage the conversation we're having right now in our heads. And I think we feel like we have to hide those parts of ourselves yeah. from him. But he already knows. Yeah. And there he was just delighted to have the conversation with me. And so I did. I would get up. I'd be changing the baby, washing things, getting rid of dirty diapers, and just muttering to him. I would not call it praying. Mm. Just listing my reasons of why it was unfair that I didn't have a house yet, that we couldn't afford a house, that we had all this debt. I just rattle it all off. And I felt like Jesus was just there going, yeah, I know. Yeah, this rough. Just tell me about it. Keep telling me. Just lay it on me. And I, I'm not joking. I spent months. It was months. It wasn't weeks. I spent months detoxing my anger and bitterness about mm. the season that I was in to a God who was just in it with me. I didn't sense he was trying to fix it. I didn't sense he was trying to cure me of it. And I certainly didn't sense that he was then going to give me my house once right. I learned my lesson. <clears throat> or teach you a lesson. No, or you He know. was just yeah. there. 
hearing what I had to say. Mm. He wasn't offended. He was quite happy to receive it. But here's where I landed at the end of that. What was so interesting to me is every now and again, I would open up my Bible because I would just be like, I remember this story about Jesus. I want to look up again what that said. And you guys, I'll just confess to you, I'm not super great at having a morning quiet time. I've really never done that consistently. I'm much more (laughs) relational and story-based. So as I'm praying or thinking or, I don't know, arguing slash complaining to God, I will sometimes be like, wait, what was that passage? What was that thing he did? And I remember reading this passage about Christ and when he came into the world. And it talks about how, I need to think of the quote now to make sure that I get it right. It says, you know, here he is, he's made God the firstborn, all of these things, everything is under him. But it says he then came to earth and there's a sentence that says he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Everything he was entitled to, he gave up. And he actually was entitled to it. If we believe Jesus is God, he is entitled to everything. But he voluntarily laid down what he was entitled to in order to be able to sit there on the end of my bed and receive my bitterness about what I felt I was entitled to, in order to have that kind of intimacy with me. And by the end of that season, I came to a place in a relationship with a God where I really came to believe not only was I not entitled to a house— I wasn't even entitled to the sense of entitlement Hmm. to have that house. And I know that's going to be a strange thing for some people to hear, but it's simply believing that there is a God who has given everything to us. None of it is ours to claim. We didn't build it or create it. I don't deserve what I have. I didn't choose where I was born or who my parents are. All of that was given to me including the three amazing children I had at that time and the restored and redeemed marriage and the janky rental house that was the perfect rent that we could afford and the perfect commute for my husband and an incredible new beginning for me as I discovered this ministry of ministering to women from my sofa in that janky living room at one in the morning. That season, every part of it was chock full of completely unentitled undeserved gifts Mm. from a God who wasn't afraid to hear me out on all the bitter things I feel like I still deserved. So I don't really have a neat bow at the end of the story, except to say, Christy and I really understand what it's like to be in a season of longing. And the only thing that has helped alleviate that is A, to remember to long for what I have, because that's easy. Look, here it is. You've got it. (laughs) That's a longing fulfilled. And B, to long for a God who's not afraid of what I'm longing for. And he's just there hanging out with me in the middle of it, because longing for him will always be a longing satisfied, always. And it will look different for you than for me than for Christy, Mm -hmm. what that interaction with that God looks like in that longing. For me, it just looked like a series of very complaining months that ended up somehow in a deep satisfaction with what I had. And I don't know that I could chart it A to B, except to say I was very honest with God about where I was. And then I think he was very honest back with me Mm. by showing me what I had. This is so good. I think I, but I, I bet I'm not the only one, have a tendency when I sense that maybe a desire I worry that it's selfish Mm. or that it's somehow not right or good. I just want to push it away, hide it, ignore it, not deal with it, 
because it's bad, right? Mm, so interesting. get rid of it. Whereas I'm like, let me step my foot and demand <laughs> this from you, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I think both would be, actually, yours might actually be healthier. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but this that's not good either. Because then I'm not, I'm not letting Jesus meet me there. Right. And I think that's part of the rainstorm, right? That mm. we sit down at the table and those farmers sat down in a drought. Everything yeah. they were longing for wasn't there. They yeah. didn't have it. They sat down in a drought and they laid a table and they ate together. And then the rain came and it was so unexpected. And then they, they remembered to sit in it yeah. and receive the gift of it. It's such a gorgeous picture and gorgeous story, but I, I it was probably kind of messy. I mean, I think right, like that's what I was thinking too. Splashing and right, like longings fulfilled are not always the way we expect them to be, mm. and they can be shocking and awkward and uncomfortable sometimes. And it's easy to run away from them. And I mean, sometimes we can have big longings that are fulfilled in profound, unexpected ways, but we're so busy looking at the next thing, we just, we, we're in danger of missing, sitting in that moment. I mean, it's yeah. one of the things I say to friends who have books coming out, as they're in a panic about launch day, I always tell them, wait, make sure today you plan a meal with your friends, get offline, put your phone down, go out and celebrate this longing fulfilled, mm. this beautiful dream realized. Mm. You must make time to do that on this day. You cannot spend all day today trying to pitch whatever the future version of this book is going to be. Mm. You have to sit and actually revel in the right now of a dream fulfilled. I feel like that's inviting a little bit of eternity into the, the oh, time I bound, like you that. know? Yes. I think if if a dream or desire has its roots in God, then it has its roots in something that's just forever, oh, right? Something so lasting. Good. So when we rush on by, then we don't we miss that chance to let that that forever, that eternity, that you know, timeless aspect of it to enter what is just time. <laughs> right. I mean, I do think you're right. It's a way to, to stop time in those moments mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. I won't be governed by whatever is next on my to-do list. Instead, mm-hmm. I choose to mm-hmm. be present right now with these friends in this moment and this food or this tea mm-hmm. that I would have, <laughs> whatever that looks like, this cucumber soup splashing all yeah. over me in order to recognize, oh my goodness, right now I'm in the middle of a rainstorm. I yeah. don't want to miss it. Sometimes I do that by taking pictures. I took a picture of those yellow leaves. Did you really? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I do that too. I take pictures of moments that seem very ordinary. And then I actually got this idea from you. I get them printed. My Instagram photos get printed right. out in albums because I love looking back like even two months yeah. ago and being like, oh my goodness, that was such a great day. Yeah. That moment was so beautiful and meaningful and significant for me, even though it might just look like, you know, muddy <laughs> soccer cleats all over the back porch. Right. Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's invite, let's, okay, guys, we're going to invite you into this with us. Are you ready? So here's what your, here's your assignment. Should Mm -hmm. you choose to accept it this week? (laughs) (laughs) Do that. Press pause on your right now and practice longing for what you already have. Okay. Take a photograph, whatever that thing is. Maybe it's a book launch you just had, but maybe your kid just took his first steps. Maybe your kid just went on the potty for the first time and it's a miracle. (laughs) Maybe you just sold your home. Maybe you moved into, you know, a smaller cottage because you've retired and you've always looked forward to the season of your life. Whatever that thing is. Maybe the sink is finally empty of dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. 
take a photograph of that and then Good, tag, they share it. Right, yeah. tag Christy or I on Instagram. So I am just Lisa Joe Baker and Christy is Christy Purifoy, yep. but it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E. That's right. Purifoy, mm-hmm. P-U-R-I-F-O-Y. And we'll link it in the notes and tag both of us and tell us, here I am, I'm longing for my present not my future. I'm longing for my present, which for kind of right sounds now. like you're longing for a gift. I like that. Oh, I I'm like that too. I'm longing for my oh, present. Oh, that'd be so much fun. And then we can go. We can see. see. We can yeah. see. So yeah, tag Lisa Jo Baker or Christy and Anne. Do both of us. Lisa Jo Baker and Christy Purifoy. And if you want to, so that everybody could see, you could use our hashtag out of the ordinary podcast and then other readers readers i'm so used to talking right to book yeah. readers, <laughs> other listeners can be encouraged by what your present looks like what is that mm-hmm. rainstorm you're in the middle of right now that rainstorm of completely ordinary amazing realized longings right now in your present so that's good and we'll do it too we'll do it too and then let's all enjoy dancing in the rain a little bit together i love it If you enjoyed today's conversation, why don't you take a sec right now, scroll down in your podcast app and hit that subscribe button, which simply means that new episodes will pop up in your podcast app every week for free. 